No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. Uh, it's been quite a while. I'm sure you guys are wondering if I kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, short answer is no. Just uh, a lot of stuff going on. I'm sure a lot of you out there can probably relate in one form or another. Um, my wife is due in about three weeks, so things have been hectic on that front. Um, and just among a bunch of other things, been trying to paint nonstop uh, for Adepticon. Uh, I plan to bring uh, a different army for every tournament. So there's four tournaments at Adepticon, so I'm looking to bring uh, four different factions and look trying to get them all painted uh, before then, just to try to, I guess, test my own ability to diversify in the different factions. Um, so yeah, I, I do apologize for my absence, uh, though I do really appreciate Brett and uh, everyone else that's kind of held down the fort uh, for me, providing you guys with some more content. Uh, tonight's show, uh, kind of last minute, uh, you know, just on the fly, figured we'd uh, throw a show out there. This will be, this won't be a, a longer episode, um, just because it is super late. Um, both me and Brett have work, so. Uh, so we're going to still try to give you guys a great episode to uh, talk about some Adepticon prepping. Uh, with me tonight is just myself, and then we also have Brett. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. We're the uh, we're the white-collar, blue-collar guys, aren't we? We get to work like late at night, and some we occasionally have time to uh, sit and do shows. And I, I guess in your case, you don't you take your stuff and paint while you're at work as well? Uh, I haven't in a little while, but yes, uh, I, there is a lot of cases where um, I can bring my stuff and fortunately I can paint it at work. Uh, that's usually kind of a last resort though, just because I don't have the best of lighting when I do that. Uh, so more often than not, I'll bring... Um, I'll bring stuff that I know I don't have to be super like accurate or detailed with, so, like some base coating stuff, things that I don't mind if they're not perfect. So like when I'm doing my uh, edge highlighting and things of that, uh, or like even contrast paints, because a lot of cases you gotta, you know, we'll we'll call it color in the line within the lines, um, mm. stuff like that I don't bring. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I mean. I, I, I totally interrupted you. I was just going to say it's it's actually with with contrast paints it's it's actually even less forgiving like because if you're painting a normal color, right, and you're doing like a a brown belt across a like a cream colored shirt Yellow. or a white shirt or something. <laughs> yeah, and you make a you make a fudge, you can just easily 
fix that yellow with a dab of paint. That is not the case of contrast. Like if you come out <laughs> of the lines and, and bleed brown into your white or yellow, like you're going to have to actually go over it with a, a standard paint and it's going to look all wonky. So I can, I can actually agree to that. I've tried to do like all contrast as the base coat and it is so unforgiving if you make any mistakes. Yep. That's kind of how my Martells are. Cause uh, and to kind of give a correction in this, because a, a while back before Martell's dropped, I was talking about my paint scheme. I realize now that I, I messed up what I was explaining. I had mentioned that I was going to paint them purple and orange, but uh, it, I'm painting them purple and yellow. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm running into when I'm painting them is uh, when I do that yellow, or we'll say the purple contrast, I do that first just because if the purple bleeds onto the yellow, if I've already done the yellow, then it's, you know, you have to do the whole process of fixing the yellow. Um, whereas if I do the purple first and bleed onto the white where the yellow is going to go, uh, mm-hmm. because I spray paint with white scar Citadel uh, primer, I can just take the white scar uh, layer paint, paint over the correction let it dry, and then I can fix it in that way. But contrasts uh, are amazing tools, but they're not as simple as some people would make you believe. Um, I think some of my best work has actually been contrast as the base, just to kind of give that, it kind of give. it's almost like um, uh, Zenithal highlighting in the sense that it, brings out some of the detail for you, but uh, it gives you kind of the roadmap of where to do your edge highlighting and where to add more to it. So um, whereas contrasts do look, uh, in a lot of cases, do look decent uh, if you just wanted to do contrast. Um, But personally, I think some of the best results is if you just use it as your base and then expand upon the contrast with regular layers and bases I, I agree. I've uh, I've gotten into airbrushing uh, since I got an airbrush for Christmas. So I start, I just block in whatever my main color is. I just airbrush that. So like for the Martells, I did my blue shirts and everything with the airbrush. And then I go over that and then just paint everything manually. But prior to doing that, the best method that I had as far as speed and getting nice results was to go ahead and, like you said, do a zenithal highlight and then slap a contrast over it and then use your standard, you know, one, two, three highlights, however however intricate you want to go. Um, yeah, so for my Warhammer Lizardmen, since I'm treating every single model as a centerpiece, basically, those are the best paintings that I've ever done, and they are all a base coat of contrast with, like, two or three highlights built up on top of that with even some more targeted recess shading. Um, really proud of my Lizardman, but that has that has nothing to do with, with this. So let's, uh, whenever you're ready, you know, let's <laughs> jump into this. Obviously there's no, you know, there's, I guess there's an elephant in the room, but it's, I don't think it's really anything overly bad. I mean, obviously we have a patch. I really tried to do that journey to Adepticon series <clears throat> with some of my free time that I had at night most of everything that I covered. It's not that it's invalid per se, 
most of those things are still true. But given some of the changes, even the subtle changes just shook up the meta enough that some of the, hey, watch out for this kind of stuff, you're just probably not going to see it or it's going to be in a different version. So instead of looking for a high activation Night's Watch with Relentless, you might need to, you know, get yourself ready to deal with Night's Watch with Set for Charge plus Relentless. So if you charge into them, you're going to be eating two attacks. But I'm sure that that's something that you're going to want to cover because it's something you really don't like <laughs> and you're you're very afraid of. And I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, so it'll be it'll be nice to bounce off of each other when we get to that. But I'm not really sure how you want to start. You're the host, so take us off and I'll just bounce off of you and we'll have a nice little chat here. And uh, So I do want to keep, keep the show uh, more on the positive note. Um, as Brett had mentioned, uh, I do, uh, I'll give my overall thoughts, uh, a quick, very quick rundown of the patch. In my opinion, other than two things, I think it's amazing. Like I, I love the patch. Um, my only gripes are Corrin and Relentless. Um, other than that, I think, you know, the, I guess the other gripe I would have is just how long it took. But um, otherwise, uh, I think it's a great start. Um, I think everything that they addressed were, like, the big key issues. Uh, and so I'm... As always, I'm optimistic. I know some people kind of get on me for that, but it's just how I am in every aspect of my life. Just very optimistic. Um, but I'm not, you know, perfect. Uh, there are things that I'll always, you know, kind of see here or there that kind of bother me. But, you know, no one's perfect. No game is perfect. Um, so, but I have uh, I have high hopes. Um, with that said, uh, what uh you know forgive me for i ha i haven't had a chance to listen to the the other roads to adepticon what was the base uh the main things you're talking about did you go like faction by faction or yeah i was doing i was doing a a review on the factions tactics deck uh kind of reviewing with you their triggers then i went into um the two main commanders that I thought you would see from each faction covered their tactics cards. And then I was giving you some kind of like, Hey, this is a gotcha play to watch out for, you know, like um, just based on my experience with so many games that I play, you know, internationally and stuff, I, I probably haven't seen everything, but there's, I've seen a lot of the gotcha kind of plays, like the, the, the things that you don't want to go into the game and find out in that game, that that's how that works. So I try, I tried to cover some of those things because that's that's the worst. You know, I say it a lot, and and absolutely, there's different levels of time everyone has to commit. But just as an overall rule, my feeling on this game is if you're playing an opponent and they have an order or they have an NCU ability or they have a tactics card and they play it, and your question is, what does that do? That's probably not. That's not good. Um, the most knowledge is power, right? That's true with everything in life. Yep. If you're going into a game and yeah, the first time that you're finding out about something is when that combo gets played, it's, it's way too late. It's probably way too late. Um, you know, just for example, the Jon Snow, I'll play Stand United Brothers on Cold Hands. 
that's going to kill cold hands, and now I'm going to trigger watch as ended. Like, if you're not aware that that can happen until it does happen, that's so bad for you. <laughs> like, you can play around it if you know that it's there. And, like, okay, he's got watches ended. I know that this is a possible play. I need to be aware of it. If you're blissfully unaware, you're probably going to get caught in that real nasty combo. So just stuff like that. That's yeah. what I was trying to cover. I'll circle back and do as much of it as I can, but Adepticon's in, like, two weeks. And I realistically, every night, I don't have the time to sit for, you know, set up the show, sit down, open everything up, do the recording, render it, and get it ready. Um so I kind of thought you and I might do. I don't think we necessarily need to go into every tax card and stuff, but I want to highlight some big things from the patch, some new things to kind of watch out for, and some recommendations for your list pairings that, like, I would just really suggest that you have certain things in your list to account for this uh, new meta. It's a developing meta. It's hard to say what's the most effective tactic available, what meta stands for. Um it's hard to establish that because even though there are complaints that this patch didn't touch enough, I think it actually did because it touched on specifically targeted so many universal abilities across all factions. It just shook that landscape up so much that there are things that people wanted to play. Like there were things that people wanted to try but they were just kind of held back from trying them because of these auto-include abilities. Now that those auto-include abilities have been drastically changed, it allows them, it allows everyone to explore some of those things that we didn't explore before. And already I've started to see things being played that you just wouldn't have seen before. So again, how, wherever you want to start, however you want to take it off, I'm kind of taking over your, your hosting right now. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, so, you know, let's do this. Let's talk about um, uh, maybe I'm being selfish, but you know, just because let's talk about relentless and let's take a more positive spin on it in the sense of let's let's talk about what counters it, what to not fall into because I've faced uh, like three or four games now of against relentless. I can tell you, I'm ready to rip my hair out, um, uh, and I feel like I've I've run a lot of the things that have a good shot at it. Um, and with that said, a lot of the things I have run have gotten me within the ballpark, but I still feel like from from Jump Street, unless I completely tailor my list to fight it, I'm kind of at like a loss. And I know you're on the opposite end of that, so I'll kind of, I'll express my concern and I'll let you just run with it and kind of, I guess, counter everything I'm talking about and, you know, I, not only everyone listening, but my, my uh, I myself will take the advice and I'll try to work it into my uh, my testing too. Because uh, um, as I've mentioned in the past, when they do drops like this, I like to test it all out. I like to really, you know, I may give my initial thoughts, but I really like to test it, test it through. Because the last thing I want to do is cry that the game is dying because of something I saw on paper, because I can't tell you how many things I've seen on paper that look too strong that end up being just, you know, or I should say that look overpowered on paper, but just end up being, we'll say, above the curve. So that's still a bit on the stronger side, but it's manageable. Um, or even some things that just look like they should be wrecking things, but, you know, it just 
my big concern with Relentless, and I know people, I know 99% of everyone listening is going to disagree with me. I think new Relentless is better than old Relentless. Why? The old Relentless was a cheap three-point pseudo-activation. Activations are key. I know activations are amazingly strong. And I am happy in a sense that it is gone. Uh, I don't really think that three-point activations, even if pseudo-activations, should exist, um, no matter how weak they are. I think inherently, an activation in itself should be worth X number of points. Um, and so, but new, uh, new Relentless, my problem with it is that it's unlimited. No matter how many times you get attacked, you get a free attack. Even if it's ranged, you could be shot with ranged and still let it trigger attacking someone you're engaged with. And then it also does not have to target who attacked you. You can continuously attack any option. Um, I have found that even ranged, because I thought initially range has to be the, has to, you have to not be engaged with it and kill it with ranged, which is possible. There's some lists out there that are super shooty. Uh, we'll say uh, um, like Kevin crossbows with like brawn and crossbows. Something like that could definitely work. Um, but let's say you're not a, Knights, or a Lannister player. I've even tried like double um, Greyjoy Bowman. The problem is they eventually get into combat with one of your units. It doesn't even have to be the bow unit. And once they are, the Bowman essentially can't shoot the Night's Watch unit. My other, so I should rephrase. Relentless, my problem with it is mostly to do with Night's Watch. Only because uh, Targaryens is still somewhat of an issue, but with Targaryens, they don't have nearly as much healing. Um, they have Mopatis, uh, but like John, John still has his healing cards, and then you got Amon, and you got Conscripts. Um, it's it's a lot of healing if you if you really uh, dive into it. So I found that even when I try to punish them with attack after attack and try to get them low on dice, you got things like uh, Mc, uh, I always say his name wrong, McAllister or Malister. You got Malister who can let you attack with highest attack die. Uh, you have things. Uh, and just the relentless itself is tied with boldness and courage. Stopping their re, uh, their relentless attacks from being at least six dice or more is really hard, especially now with corn being fairly cheap. You got you got like four different ways to add attack dice with corn, um, sword in the darkness, uh, the marshal, and then uh, the boldness and courage problem with it and each I've tried uh, playing as Night's Watch myself with Relentless and there's a different strength to adding Relentless to each unit. The Adding it to the uh, Shadow Tower Spearmen um, really at that point the Shadow Tower Spearmen are just hitting you with weight of dice but sometimes that's all they need. Uh, if you're not like a Baratheon player that weight of dice is just going to eat through you um, or even, like, my number one issue is actually the Sworn Brothers. Um, the fact that they have uh, the martial training with the vulnerable, um, they have that thundering, uh, they really can eat through a lot of units in the game. 
Uh, so I find that I can't hit harder than they will hit me, even if I hit them first, then they hit me. Uh, and to go back to my comparison to old Relentless, new Relentless doesn't care if you're out activated now because you don't care if your unit has activated. You literally are still going to get the most important part about activating, which is attacking. So I can just march all of my units forward, play a little on the defensive side with positioning, you know, position in front of a course pile or a bog or something to deny rerolls. Um, draw out some weekends if I take the mail or something. You know, things like that. And then now I don't care if I've activated, especially against like a free folk player, you know, not not really counting necessarily Mance or the, the Giants, but all these cheap units can't even really attack you anymore. Why? Because you're going to hit them way harder than they're going to hit you and now let's say if Relentless was an order, a little different. I think that would be a lot more fair. You get you get an attack back, it's going to hurt. But now at least I can try to focus on one unit and kill it. But I can't. If I, you have an action every single time I have an act, or you have an attack every single time I have an attack. So that's kind of my issue with it. Um, my uh, nephew who plays Night's Watch, uh, he's a decent player, but he's by no means, like, an amazing player. And, you know, I can't even touch his, you know, some of his, uh, of his lists with Relentless. I'm just, I'm going most of the game trying to think of ways to attack that's beneficial. And I can't because they're going to hit me harder as a reaction. That's the other thing that's important to note about New Relentless versus Old Relentless. New Relentless is a reactive attack, whereas at least Old Relentless had to spend its activation phase to hit you, and then uh, you had a response. Now it's, if I attack this unit, they are going to hit me and then possibly hit me again before I have a say. So I'll leave it at that. I know I kinda it was a little longer of a of a rant than I had intended on. But like I said, um even with how much I absolutely hate the new Relentless, I still have high hopes. I'm still going with to Adepticon. Uh I'm still running four different factions at Adepticon. I'm gonna have a blast. Uh you know but it is my, you know, even more so than Corrin. Corrin, uh, because I mentioned Corrin was my other kind of issue with the update. Corrin um, is is second on my list. It's it's mostly relentless. So with that, I'll I'll, I'll let you take the floor, Brett. Um, explain uh, to me what what I should try, like how how I should go about. Um, and and you can give any uh, any suggestions, but uh, I'm more so curious about like. Uh, like all comer suggestions. Yes, like, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, make my nephew feel bad if I'm like, all right, listen, I drop a an all tailored anti relentless uh, uh, list. Nope. I'll hit you with the all comer solutions to begin with. Then from okay. there, I will I will hit you with uh, some very specific ones. And so the way that my mind thinks, okay, and, and I have to preface this because. Not everybody plays the game the way that I play the game. 
and I would never want to sit and tell somebody like this ability sucks. You just need to play better. Think the way that I think your group needs to think the way that I think. And then it wouldn't be a problem. I don't want to say that the way that my mind does think though, I know that in this version of the game, there are so many things in my opinion that just completely counter it so hard that I just don't see it as being, is it, is it going to be a great list to run to game night? Is it going to be a great list to run just for fun? Sure. Absolutely. And it's, it's probably going to give people a headache, but with some of the absolute hard 100%, I make your nine point unit worthless counters that are in the game. I just don't see it being this predominant list. So let's start with some universal counters that eight of the nine factions can bring. Um, if they're giving you a really rough time, um, Blaggard. You can run Blaggard. Every time they attack you back, they have to take Horrific Visage. Yes, Shadow Tower Spearmen have good morale, and they have Unyielding. But in particular, he's already a good commander anyway. And if you plug Roost and Blaggard in any list, that's going to be a great commander bunker. It doesn't matter what list you play it in. So... Starting from the top, if you charge them with Roost in Blaggard, reliably now they've got Donald Noy maybe, they've got, um, you know, let's just assume they're running Core and Donald Amon. So maybe they blunt some of Roost's attack. The likelihood is, unless they play Shield of the, of the Realms of the Men, on top of Donald Noy, you're squeaking one wound in. Then they're taking a panic test at minus three with D3 plus one. Now, if they do a retribution attack back on you immediately, they have to take that panic test at minus four with D3 plus one. And then they risk spreading fear into their conscripts, spreading fear into one of their other units because it's a nine point unit. So if you assume that they're running two and they're running that NCU package that I just mentioned, they only have nine points for other combat units. So maybe they're doing cold hands and a unit of conscripts. Conscripts absolutely do not want to mess with spread fear in any way, shape, or form. They would be taking a panic, minus three with D3 plus two. So that's one universal counter that you can run. You can run Roos and Blackguard. You've already mentioned that you can run a ranged heavy list. Uh, not everybody can create what Kevin creates. I'll call it the crossbow machine gun. Kevin and crossbows, Braun and crossbows. Not everybody can create that. I totally agree. But it is a counter. With that amount of ranged attacks, Again, you're circling back to if they're running one unit, I think that you can kind of avoid the unit. If they're running two, they put all of their eggs in that basket. They are probably at seven activations. Kevin double cross those can reach eight. If you're out activated and they've got double crossbows to shoot you that are guaranteed free attacks off of the zone. If you're running Kevin and Braun, it's a, it's a guaranteed free attack off of the tactics board. Uh, it's going to do a lot of damage. Now, granted, there's Amon that can bring it, and you get into, well, did I have Intrigue and things like that, but as a universal rule, you can probably pop two shots off into them, send in Flayed Men, send in Knights of Castle Rock, maybe even send in Halberdiers now. I mean, Halberdiers are great five-point unit. They are still, they're nasty on the charge. Seven dice uh, with rerolls and Sundering, they could go make a mess of that unit. You know, if it's down to five or six wounds, get a vulnerable token out, you might just kill them. Um, that said, 
the, the ranged is a good universal counter, but there's another ability that makes ranged particular na particularly nasty into these guys. Again, circling back to the activation advantage, and that's, uh, I think the name of the ability is Scout Orders, or uh, Scout Openings, maybe. Uh, you've got it with Jorah, you've got it with Martell Skirmishers, and you've got it now with Bog Devils. Um, being able to pop off one or two shots like that into the flank with the rerolls and precision, it's not going to take a lot to kill them, right? So I think as a Stark player, if you weren't already considering it before, given some of the changes in the landscape of the game with units having, the infantry units having a harder time getting to you because Relentless is just not giving you that pseudo-cavalry maneuver, um, you can now run a Howland list, and it, it actually becomes problematic for Ranger Hunters and that's a unit, Ranger Hunters with Watch Captain is a unit that really threatened a Howland Reed list, but you can outrange them now, damage them with hidden traps, and then by the time they get in, sure, they're going to do some damage on something, but then they're going to be close to the rest of your army, and you can just shoot the ever-living crap out of them and then send a dog in, and the likelihood is you'll, you'll kill them uh, relatively quickly, um, particularly if you're running double Cranugs and they get trapped twice, on their charge and shot at that point, even if they have aim on, um, you've done eight hits, probably seven to eight hits and then a ranged attack. And now you send a dog in normally that's going to be a dead ranger hunter unit. And that's coming from me as a nice watch player. Um, so a Kranigman style of list, not just because of the Kranigman and the bog devils being able to do so much punishing damage with range attacks and hidden traps. Uh, you've also got Howland's card. So this is kind of where I think that Adepticon, they want to run random terrain. That's fine for the more casual events. Another reason besides uh, Melisandre being prominent in the meta that I would prefer terrain to be chosen competitively is Howland Reed. Um, Howland Reed, you want forests, you want bogs, you want weirwood trees, you want corpse piles. These bigger terrain pieces you plop that down right in the center on an objective, and they're likely to put their Shadow Tower Spearmen on that objective. If Howland plays Cranog Traps and you turn that into dangerous terrain, they're taking D3 plus one wounds every single time they attack you. Um, and in particular, if you get them engaged and then their activation comes, they don't have a choice but to take an action. They're taking D3 plus one wounds. Uh, Bog Devils in general, with their poison, if they don't have fire that burns against the cold to remove that poison token immediately, um, or excuse me, that weaken token to get rid of the, to, sorry, let me start over. If they don't have fire against the cold, fire that burns against the cold to remove the weaken token to prevent poison from ever being placed on them, every time they attack you back and they're poisoned, they're taking two wounds. So that's, there's a couple of ways there. Now, just speaking in generalities, you don't want to run Blackguard. You don't play Martell. You don't play, uh, Targaryens, you don't play Starks. You're going to have to outmaneuver them. This is a unit that's only way of maneuvering is off of the tactics board and off of their activation. If they can't see you, they can't charge you. If they can't force engagement on you, then you don't have to charge them. You can dance around them. You can shoot them even without scout orders. And you can set up a big, like, okay, I'm going to take a couple chops back but I'm going to throw two or three units at you in your flank and your rear. I think the maneuver zone is, at, at times, it's the absolute most important zone in the entire game, especially when you're playing 
an army that's merely all infantry or all infantry, it's so tempting to take the money bags. I don't want this unit to heal. It's so tempting to take it because you want to heal yourself. It's so tempting to take the free attack. But I'm telling you, against that relent, like if they're running double shadow, shadow tower spearmen, if you take the maneuver zone away from them, they're helpless. They can't turn around and do anything to you without spending their activation to do it. And if you can just keep working around them with the maneuver zone, they're going to have a hard time ever earning their points back. You take the maneuver zone, you work your way back into their conscript battery. You threaten their solos. It's absolutely paramount to take the maneuver zone. And that's, that's something I've learned as a player. I mean, I've played the game for a long time. And it was just recently in 2021 season one that I came to appreciate just how good the maneuver zone is, uh, you know, playing against Martels in particular, they run a lot of just infantry. Maybe they run the Flaidmen. I always kill the Flaidmen as fast as I possibly can. And then at that point it's Royal Guard, Spearmen, maybe skirmishers. You take the maneuver away from them and there's not a whole lot they can do. So that's very important playing against Night's Watch. Night's Watch does not have, a ton of ways to turn around. They've got Watcher on the wall that they can, you know, turn around and, and pivot and shift two inches. But if you wait until after they activate to attack something, then you can play around Watcher on the wall. They just don't have cunning ploys. They don't have any of these other ways to get free maneuvers out of their units. So you can simply leave that unit to its own devices, play around it, kill some other stuff in the army. And if you have to go into that unit, you've got to go all in. And, and I mean all in. You've got to flank, flank, rear if you can, front, whatever you've got to do, you've got to go all into them. You can't, you can't go halfway in and expect good results. It's like all the chips are on the table. I'm killing this unit. And I just faced, um, just yesterday, I was playing, uh, I was using Free Folk of Aramir List. And I said, you know, bring a Night's Watch hard counter to this. And I was playing against crossbows veterans with uh relentless and you know some stuff like that and it was like man like as a free folk player not having the mance bubble what am i going to do about this and i was able to just i just avoided the vets the vets didn't make a single attack i killed the crossbows i killed ghost i killed john's unit and i just left the vets to do whatever they wanted and again you know i took the maneuver away from them as a free folk player it was double maneuvers for me um that lady vol and then the horse zone i just you know, that's fine. You can heal. Um, I don't necessarily want you to, but you can heal. You can take the free attack and you'll shoot some raiders and, and that's neat. But the stuff that I want to be in combat is going to be in combat in your flanks and in your rears because I'm I'm just plain out maneuvering you. And it's just like I said, it was a seven activation list and you can just outmaneuver that. You can outmaneuver that and pick your battles, go three on one into some of the units that aren't the relentless unit and then you just leave the relentless unit. They sat in the middle and scored, but, you know, I won the game like 10 to 6 or something and never engaged the veterans. So those are those are possible options. I think you've just got to keep in mind that the relentless units, unless they're going with mercs with relentless, it's a six-point unit that gets some free attacks. I don't really care. I'll challenge that unit. You know, you just face check them with one of your offensive units. They're not going to do that much damage. Um, the, the units that you're afraid of are unsullied sword masters because they always have rerolls. And like you said, the sworn brothers, the shadow tower spearmen, maybe unsullied pikes because they can set for charge and, and do the double attack, but you're simply not 
you're simply not giving them that. You're not going to charge them with your best unit unsupported and just allow them to do that to you. You've got to give it some some range support, some some other way of, of dishing out hits. Oh, uh, Oberon is another thing. You know, if you throw Royal Guard into them with Oberon NCU attached to the Royal Guard, they're taking hits every time they hit back. You know, it could be maybe it's Nymeria time. You know, Nymeria's attachment doesn't see play, but she's a hell of a counter to that unit. She's, what, two wounds plus one for each destroyed rank every time they attack her unit? Right? You're the Martell yeah, player, that, Dave. <laughs> uh, nope, yep. Um, I actually have a list um, with... Uh, uh, I don't remember her exact wording. Is she uh, is she the same thing as protection of the crown? Or, uh, not protection of the crown. Um, vengeance of the crown? She's something like yeah, that. Yeah, Blount I, and, I know I, and I, the new Rainbow Guard. Yeah, I know I looked at her, and I was like, ooh, um... I'm kind of glad I don't see her because I like to kill stuff too. And it's like, man, if she's in like a unit of Royal Guard that actually poses a real threat because of cunning ploy and some like with Martels, you've got to, you've got to hit them and hammer the gas. And she's such a deterrent to that. I, I, I'll look her up. She has to, you have to own the swords. And then I think it's every time she's attacked and you own the sword, she does like two wounds plus one wound for each of her destroyed ranks or something like that. Okay, then yeah, now. she's the same as uh, same as she's the dwarf. vengeance of the crown, but instead of the crown to activate it, you need the sword. No, vengeance of the crown is it's only one wound, right? One wound plus one it's, for each destroyed rank. Yes, Nymeria is two, two wounds plus one wound for each destroyed rank. Now you throw her into a unit, even a unit of spearmen and you throw Oberon's NCU on that unit, I mean, how how many times is that unit going to take two wounds plus one plus three, four, five hits? They're not. <laughs> they're not going to be <laughs> – they're going to be wise not to attack you at all with that retribution. Yeah, as, as you're correct. That's actually pretty in, insane. Um, oh, yeah, that's – I looked at it, and I was like, thank God people aren't running this. Like, couldn't imagine – that it comes, it, it's one of those pivotal moments in the game. It's like, if I don't kill this unit, it's going to charge and kill my key unit. But I don't want to charge this unit and take five hits plus two wounds. <laughs> like, well, I really don't want to do mention, that. If I'm not mistaken, just uh, based on other rulings, if you kill this unit, it still triggers, doesn't it? After it's attacked? Let me see. Because what about the um, no no uh, because, go to go down um, fighting? Yeah, go down fighting procs one last time because it's each time a rank is destroyed. After this unit is destroyed, or excuse me, after, after this, this unit is attacked, oh, okay. is an attack, so they can be destroyed at various steps throughout the attack. Regardless, um, if she's in like a unit of spearmen with Oberon's influence, you know they're going to have to charge it, take set for charge, take two wounds take Oberon's hits. That's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Oberon you on her unit is not even worth attacking. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've never seen anybody field it. And, you know, when I was getting into Martell's, I was like, eee, like, like, of course, you've got ranged that counter it. You know, Martell's hate ranged anyway, though. So 
you're running something to counter that range. But that, that she's a perfect counter to Relentless. Like they're they're going to kill mm-hmm. themselves faster than they're going to kill her. Plus, not to mention I feel like whatever though, unit you, she's you, in, ch- charged them and did some damage first. If she's in Royal, let's just you can just crunch the math. She's in Royal Guard. They've got seven attacks. They make you vulnerable. Um, you know, into the Shadow Tower Spearman, I'm expecting somewhere between three to five wounds. That's not even being overly optimistic. And then they do their attacks back to take five hits from Oberyn. That's another two or three, plus two wounds straight off the top from her. That's probably seven, eight wounds. They're at their last rank now. I don't think they're attacking her again. <laughs> I think their activation is to retreat. <laughs> yeah. I think, though, uh, I don't know. They're the they're defensive enough with that with the shield wall, but I almost feel like putting her in something else would be even better. The reason being yeah. is because the advantage uh, the her other ability, uh, the ad, advantageous strike, or at least I think it should be called advantageous ad, advantage strike. Um, uh-huh. It gives you rerolls, but since they're normally only attacking once. Uh, I think maybe giving the rerolls to something else might even be better. Um, like dervishes? I mean, or even uh, be Black Guard. Yeah, sure. Like you were sure. saying, because uh, you get yeah. Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. Now they're taking that panic at minus uh, five, potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the rerolls allow the Black Guard to push through a little more damage. Um, but yeah, I think dervishes or even, um, uh, I don't know if you're running vipers, if you're going to run a two point attachment, cause you want to have kind of more numbers, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I wrote her off a little too soon because I reading this ability, I think my mind has just told me too many times that it's one plus one because of, um, uh, vengeance of the crown that uh, both Blount and uh, the one King uh, Rainbow Guard has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the one time that I played against her, um, <laughs> I was running double Dragonstone Nobles, and I was like, all right, can't even attack her. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good fun. New dragon. Uh, there goes my Lightbringers, you know, like, they just made a beeline for the Lightbringers, and it's like, okay, well, you know, this is where I can't even sentinel into her. Like, the list that I built was predicated around the archers doing a ton of damage, drawing you into the archers, and then using Melisandre to take two wounds off the Dragonstone Noble, and then sentineling in and, and making, you know, one or two attacks with the Dragonstone Nobles, and it's like, okay. So this this list just flat out destroys what I want to do. It destroys what I want to do. So I think she's good. She's, so, she's worth a shake. I mean, the game's changed up a bit. It's changed up enough that, that maybe, you know, she's worth, she's worth circling back to and looking at again. You know, um, I think she's yep. overlooked by a lot of people. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, back to the meta trappings that we talk about in, in the other podcasts. And I, I think we can circle back and do another, do another meta trappings after this, meta kind of develops you know and and i just think that there's things in the game that you you've dismissed it at one point and then you kind of just forget it exists and i know that's weird to say but 
like I do it too. <laughs> I was talking to Bob and, you know, we were talking Night's Watch and Bob says, uh, you know, at this point, Night's Watch, they kind of play for the now his watch is ended combo. I was like, yeah, I know, man. Like, uh, you know, you is, is it worth taking Sam and Bowen Marsh now just to get cards? He was like, what? They could Sam attachment. I was like, I literally did a podcast and specifically said that Night's Watch does not have a way to go tutor a card. I 100% forgot that Sam exists. Like, Sam can just go get <laughs> a card that he wants. And Bob was like, do you think it's time to run Sam? Like, that's an interesting, uh, particularly for a mirror match. Night's Watch versus Night's Watch, both have Corrin, both have units that, you know, they want to get the jump on the others. Is Sam attachment, make sure you get watches ended. Maybe your opponent doesn't get it, and then you can snowball them. Uh, it could be a thing. It's just those trappings. Yep. Like, I'm, just, I'm just specifically saying I, as a, I've played Night's Watch since 1.4, and I completely forgot that Sam existed and had that ability because I, I decided at some point that he wasn't worth taking when Relentless was the best way to play Night's Watch. It's like, well, Sam's cool, but like, why would I ever take him when I can take one point more and get a free activation? And then you've, you you just get stuck in that mentality, and now that has changed. The the, the three point activation is not on the table anymore. Uh, it's at that point you start to go back and look at some other attachments. And I I think, you know, that goes across the board. You know, for a lot of things. Um, I think that given how good to the last is now, I, why Starks why aren't Starks giving consideration to great axes with great John Umber? I, I know it's a nine-point unit, but that's a hell of a nine-point unit with Catlin NCU. I mean, their morale five, the likelihood is that they're passing there to the last, similar to Queensman, uh, staying alive with one wound at last rank where they can use Catlin to throw seven dice at minus three. Seems kind of good to me. I mean, I haven't played it, so I can't speak to how good it actually is, but it seems good. I mean, Gary just won the indie event. Uh, on Sunday, they did an Adepticon primer, and he did Great Axes with Ramsey. Um, I, I think he ran that list the entire time. I wasn't there. I think he ran the Ramsey list every time, and I think he got a lot of work out of Great Axes with Ramsey. It's just some of those things, different different times, different times, time to try new stuff. Yep. Okay, so have I eased some of your fears about Relentless a little bit? Is that enough that we can move on? Uh, I think for the most part, I think, uh, you know, um, I'll try out those things before I kind of give my further, like, remarks or uh, opinions on it, um, you yeah, know, so and see how, uh, horses, how it goes. The horses is a big one. Just just play, even if it seems detrimental, uh, play for the horses play for the horses and I think you'll be able to mm-hmm. circle around them and, and give them a lot of fits. So, yeah. Okay. All right. What do you want to move um, on to now? Uh, we can kind of talk about just the general, um, stuff, uh, like the cross fat. I mean, granted rentless fits that, uh, category, but kind of like just the cross faction, uh, changes that might impact, uh, you know, list building for Adepticon. So Expert like Duelist. Warcry, Expert duelist. Expert duelist. Let's talk about expert duelist. Let's do it. Expert expert duelist was it, it was an excellent change, and um, I think above all, I think 
Targaryens and Greyjoys, I think, feel the most victimized by that change. But I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, like, well, screw the Targaryen players and the Greyjoy players. I don't care if you're <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it like that. But overall, this was a change that's good for game health. Because we're just sitting here talking about some of these attachments that now have value. And I think Expert Duelist was important too reliable <laughs> it was it was important going into this change because yeah. night's watch relentless was so deadly and targaryen relentless was so deadly because they could merc with a, a watch captain just to get the activations out for like drogo Flademan. so it was important that relentless changed but now now that relentless did change you know it's fine to take expert duelist away because i think if you'd gone into 2021 like from the very beginning and said all right expert duelist is going to be a five plus because we don't like attachments dying on a on a three plus like relentless would have been that much more cancerous at least in 2021 and in season one you had call drogo and you had carl and you had jamie you know to kind of put expert duelist in check or to kind of put relentless in check a little bit now the big bad relentless has been adjusted. It's time for expert duelist to be adjusted as well because we want to encourage these cool creative combos that are pricey. And Nymeria, you know, she's two points, so it's pricey. Ramsey is pricey. Um, you know, the the current watch captain and unsullied officer, they're pricey. Great John Umber's pricey. You want those, but you want those expensive attachments to see play because they're cool. And you don't want them to just get sniped on a three plus. So it went from 33% chance to kill to, uh, or 66% chance to kill to a 30. It, it, it flopped it. 33% chance to fail is now a 66% chance to fail. And I think it was great. And I, I've heard some people say, well, they should have made it a four plus. No, I don't think they should have. I think they did absolutely the right thing because there's not as much cancerous have to kill this. Like even man. Like, even Mance providing that bubble. There was so much, like, I don't want to say cancerous either because that makes it sound like the developers did something wrong in designing the game. I think it's a whole ecosystem. They introduced and let us play with these crazy powerful attachments, and then they said, okay, these exist. Here's Expert Duelist. They've adjusted some of those. I think they took care of the most offensive attachments that existed, and they took care of them. They don't exist. So expert duelist doesn't need to exist. It's similar to the double scoring. Needed to exist when NCU commanders were so good. You took the NCU commanders away, it's not needed anymore. And it was a great change. And I think they I think they understand it. And I, I think people give them too much like grief over some of their changes. Like they don't even understand this game, you know, some people say. I think they do. I think they understand it a lot more than, than they're given credit for. And so, consequently, I think that the expert duelist change was absolutely phenomenal um, because I I want to see more creative list building, and I want to see some of these cool attachments get play. And why would you have played them before? <laughs> why would you have played an, an activation that co- or a, a, an attachment that cost two points and didn't give you an activation in a meta where Call Drogo could get to eight activations and just go kill your attachment? Hey, thanks for playing. So that that I mean that's my take on expert duelist. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. I think it was a great change. 
you can still run in there and try your luck with the five plus, but at least you're more likely to fail than you are to pass. And so I'm 100% in support of the expert duelist change across the board. So overall, I like the change. I, I won't sit here and say that I'm not happy with it. I know uh, anyone going back however many, you know, however long now it's been can go listen to many an, uh, uh, many an episode of me complaining about Expert Duelist. Uh, absolutely hated it. Um, arguably one of the, if not the number one thing that I hated about the game. Um, and that's just because I think attachments should be encouraged, but when you have something like the old Expert Duelist, it completely contradicted taking attachments, especially then when they changed change it to where you had to have a field commander, which is a change I also agree with. It just felt counterintuitive to have a an ability that was sometimes free if it was on your commander or one point uh, and had such a uh, high success rate. The new change, uh, I think five plus is, five plus is what I would have made it if we were keeping the ability the same and just changing what it needed. Uh, I think five up is completely fair um, in that sense. Overall, uh, it's not exactly the change I would have liked to have seen, but uh, I'm not going to necessarily complain. Uh, I think you're not going to see people going out of their way to run expert duelist anymore because of it being a five up. Now, um, and even if they do run Expert Duelist, a lot of times that extra wound is just going to be far more beneficial than ever trying for that 5-up. The only time I think trying for the 5-up is worth it is uh, if the attachment is that crucial to the, like, to your opponent. For example, killing your opponent's commander when you have, like, a mission or something that needs the commander dead. Um kings or whatnot, um, uh, or let's say relentless, you know, if you want to just try to get that relentless out of there, you know, just be done with it, again, try for that five up. But in a lot of other cases, a five up to kill a one-point attachment that's only doing a little bit here or there, you know, you're probably better off just poking them for a wound. So overall, I do like the change to um, Expert Duelist. Um, not exactly the change I would have made, but a good enough change that it's no longer even on my radar for things that I have a problem with. Not even close. Um, and that's, I guess, kind of how I feel about it. Um, next up, uh, I guess we could talk about um, Warcry. Yep. Um, I think uh, think it was a completely fair change. Um, a lot of people think, or I, I've heard a lot of discussion out there saying that it's no longer right. even worth it. The fact that you only get one token out of it when you have things like threaten and mark target. But I think I think people are missing kind of some of the potential of Warcry, especially in faction like Lannisters where proccing a morale test on yourself uh, can trigger your faith mechanic or Heck, even if you're facing a Lannister player, the Lannister player can't even throw bribery on your 
units that have Warcry because you can proc your own morale test and get rid of bribery. Or, you know, I'm sure there's another card out there that's similar. Um, I think, and even just the flexibility uh, or the versatility of choosing between two different tokens. And then let's not forget the other benefit is that there is no line of sight requirement. Um, I'm, I can't remember if Threaten has a line of sight requirement, but I do know Mark Target does. Uh, all of that said, some people say they don't know if it's worth the worth it anymore for Warcry, but personally, I think yeah, you have the downside of potentially failing a morale test, but that's why you probably not are not putting Warcry in any unit that has worse than a six morale, and more than likely putting it in a unit that has a five or better, uh, or a way to boost boost it so that it is five or better. Uh, or, you know, five or lower, technically, um, in order to proc that test. But I think that's the downside for having the versatility of two tokens, not needing line of sight, um, and I think, and potentially procking uh, effects that require your unit to pass a morale test. So, um, and that's, I guess, all I have to really say about it. What do you think? I I think Warcry is still super fair and super good. Um I, I agree. Um, again, you know, people have, everyone has a right to be upset about a change. I know from what I've been hearing, a lot of Stark players feel super bummed out because, like, She-Bears were their go-to. I, I would still run She-Bears. Um, it's, it's the loss of one token. I mean, Starks were not, are not super known for doing a ton of panic damage anyway. They've got Northern Ferocity. Um, in my opinion, Northern Ferocity should be played on a wolf anyway. Um, at which point, if you control the swords, you'll be putting a panic token down on them anyway and getting the max damage from that card. Um, your Warcry combo was simply putting the vulnerable out, which you can still do. And with Starks, She Bears could fail. Um, if they had Rickon and Asha, they were they're they're a morale five. Um, which is more passable, but uh, without them, it's a six. Um, <clears throat> it's not like it was an auto for Starks. The vulnerable token as a Stark player w- was what they were probably after anyway. And I've played a good bit of Starks, and, and, and it was generally the vulnerable token that I wanted. Um, the panic token was kind of just like icing on the cake, you know, with Shaggy Dog. But it always felt to me, I ran double She-Bears, and it always felt to me like, man, this is a little bit too much like this is you know i felt spoiled with the the panic token because the vulnerable token was my primary damage dealer because starks are melee focused they're not panic focused um and that that panic token felt like this is kind of dirty getting both but you know again i ran brandon hodor in cutthroats who generally provide their own vulnerable token at which point i just wanted the panic token from the war cry which i can still get um and then you know with northern ferocity you can still just get the vulnerable token, but they also have devastating impact, basic deck. Uh, if you're running Howland Reed, he's got um, superior flanking, which gives you panicked and vulnerable. Uh, if you really miss Warcry that badly, something that I've been trying to do is I've been building lists. It's like, okay, let's let's just pretend Warcry doesn't even exist, just just for the purposes of experimenting. And with factions, you can build kind of like quote unquote build your own Warcry back. 
by running Ramsey attachment so that you've got Reek to put out bubble panic tokens. And with Starch, you can run Roderick NCU. Every time you take the sword, someone becomes vulnerable. Also, you can reset orders. And in the case of Halland, I know I'm talking a lot about Halland because I think Halland is the best commander that's not being played. Um, you can reset superior. You can reset superior flanking. You can reset uh, the scout orders from the Fog Devils. You can reset hidden traps. So Roderick is just not a bad NCU anyway. He was just overshadowed because the Cat Girls are very, very good. Uh, Arya, Catelyn, and Sansa are phenomenal NCUs. But Roderick was probably also overshadowed because it's like, well, I don't really need this vulnerable token because I have Warcry. And maybe you were bringing him just to double up on Warcry in rounds. Um, but now I think he's even more important because he does place that vulnerable token. And I'm happy because one of my complaints with the state of the game going into this version was it was just a token. It was just a token fest. There were so many tokens everywhere. And I get now like Baratheons still generate a crap ton of tokens and Martells still generate a crap ton of tokens, even without Warcry. But that's fine. That's their niche, right? And now it feels even more like it belongs to them because everybody else just isn't capable of dumping those tokens the way that they used to without dipping into new resources. And so I, I personally am happy with it because it, it solidifies in particular the Baratheon identity as the faction that dumps tokens. Baratheons are the token faction and that kind of not necessarily exclusively belongs to them, but it feels a lot more exclusive for the Baratheons because everybody can't just spam Warcry. And it kind of was a subtle buff to the Red Priestess as well, right? Red Priestess didn't see a ton of play. Uh, but now that Warcry's, I don't want to say Warcry's off the table, like people are still going to run it. Um, but now that it's less potent, maybe it just makes the Red Priestess more attractive than she was before. It's possible, right? I think so. I think if you've got an attachment that does something that another attachment in another faction doesn't do, I think the issue before... Maybe it was a little bit of faction envy or something, but I, I think the thing before I would hear Baratheon players say is, well, I'll, if, why would I run the Red Priestess for a point? She's just crappier war cry. You know, and then that's not the case anymore. She can dump out both tokens. But granted, it's cost two wounds, but she also can't fail, which is a thing that war cry can have happen. I ran a lot of Call Drogo in Blood Riders, and I failed it. One game, I failed every single war cry. It was very, very sad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm one hundred one thousand percent in support of the the Warcry change. Um, I don't Same. say negative things about the game, and I'm not going to say something like super negative and condescending here. But like Warcry was annoying; it was super annoying, and I'm I'm glad that it got adjusted. Agreed. Uh, next up, um, let's talk about. Uh, was when I was hardened. So uh, I think it's perfectly uh, where it should be. Um, I think the only problem they encountered, and I say they as in just the uh, the team that brought it out, was they had kind of the right idea when they first changed, because the current hardened, the, the change to it, is the way hardened used to be. That's how it was <laughs> first reve uh, revealed to us on the Mormont veteran is how it is right now. But uh -huh. the problem was is that was 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, 1.9, 1.10, 1.11, 1.12, 1.13, 1.14, 1.15, 1.16, 1.17, 1.18, 1.19, 1.20, 1.21, 1.22, 
right when uh, like everything started to happen and things went into motion for uh, version 2021 to come out. Uh, the problem that this is, in my opinion, is what happened was they reduced all the attack dice almost across the board on everything, but then mm -hmm. also increased hardened. So it was a two-way mm -hmm. two swing that now you had less dice to get through a unit and hardened now doing more blocks. Uh, and I think that's where hardened became a problem. Now that they've reverted it back, now it's only a one-way swing. Now you have just generally less attack dice. Now there still are units that have quite a bit of attack dice, but I just mean generally across all units of all factions. They still generally have less total attack dice than 1.6, and usually just by like one, uh, sometimes two. So it's not like a huge change, but again, the Harden, curtain Harden change, reverting it back to what it used to be, uh, is just a one a one block difference, and you just don't get it initially. Uh, excuse me, you don't get it initially. So you're blocking none, then you're blocking one, then you're blocking two if you're at last rank. And I think that's completely fair. Um, I mean, it it is a little, it does kind of suck uh, that you are paying for an attachment that you aren't inherently getting a benefit from. But I think that's countered with the fact that it's so good once you get to last rank. Because I think auto-blocking two on every attack on last rank is super good. Uh, the reason being is, assuming you're at last rank, um, and let's say your opponent's at last rank too, because you're both hammering away at each other. Most last ranks only have four dice. So if they're throwing four dice at you, they have to hit with at least three of them to even have one go through, and then you still have to fail your save. Um, all your saves, technically, because you still get to roll defensive saves on all those, no matter how many Hardened will eventually block. So that's why Hardened was so good, especially when you could combine it with other things that also blocked um, uh, attack dice, whether it be um, uh, add, or the Warrior Sun's effect or shield the that guards the realms of men um, or even uh, shield wall. So I think the current hardened is, is perfect the way it is. Um, and I, that's, I guess, you know, that's coming from, I've only play tested like two games with it. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's right where it needs to be. Yeah, I think hardened as well. Um, I'm not going to say annoying again because I want to be nice. <laughs> um, hardened was just strong. Um, I think overall, there's just things as war gamers that you just don't like. Um, and that's not always um, super fair. It's not always like, well, you dislike this because it is too good. Sometimes it's, well, you just dislike this because you don't have it, you dislike it because you don't like it, you dislike it because it's difficult. And then there are things that that where it's impossible. And that was super frustrating about Hardened. Um, if you were down to last rank, and they were down to last rank, and, and again, you, the, there would be times that it was like game-defining. like It was like this happens or that's the end of the game. 
and if you've got four attack dice hitting on four plus, I don't know what the odds are of wounding something with hardened, but like mathematically, just right off the top, you're getting two hits and they block both automatically. Like you on four plus, you would have to get all four through and they would have to fail one. And depending on what their saves are is the likelihood of that. But I feel like it was next to impossible. But again, you played a lot of stuff. You'd have to get, I was going to say, you have to get all four through and you have to fail all four. You said you would have to fail one. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> they would have to, that, like, as in a wound gets through, and then that does one wound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're relying on the panic to finish them off, you know, if they're at four models. But, um, you know, I, again, playing a lot of Starks, the, the, the Dire Wolves were, were my primary damage dealer in the list that I played. And, um, you know, they would just be, like, I've got Elden and Wardens holding the center, I've got a dire wolf in its flank, and it's just like, I don't even want to charge because it's the likelihood that he's going to pop a six and then, you know, kill me in return. It's better, it's more in his favor because, you know, of Baratheon things. <laughs> but, uh, and I don't <laughs> want to just pick on Elden. It's not just Elden, it's Warrior Sons. Uh, I think that's the biggest. Um, I want to say like the, the mistake of this patch and I'm sure that they have their logic and they have their reasons because uh, the warrior sons require a faith token. And if they're not paying the eight points for the champion of faith, who is quote unquote nerfed, um, he's only providing one token now. So you're paying eight points for a unit that gives you less economy. And in Lannisters, they need both, right? Because they're a panic specialist. So I, I'm guessing that that's the reason that Battle Prayer stayed the same, because I think it would have felt like a double nerf if they're hardened with less good and the Champion of Faith in Warrior Sons, who's almost mandatory, because if you don't have the, the Champion of Faith, then they either lose offense or the defense, because they'll only generate as many Faith tokens as times that you attack them. And if you assume that they're always using the one from the attack to block hits, they're never getting a faith token for attack. So the unit just simply doesn't function the way that it's supposed to function without a champion of the faith, which is now half as good as it used to be. So I can see that being a thing. And I, I know people complain a lot about Adam in Warrior Sun. It is really good. It blocks one, three, five now, which is insane. But they're running crossbows or pyromancers or stormcrow archers or something like that. Adam doesn't have a way to force himself to take morale tests and generate more tokens. So, yes, Adam is nigh unkillable if he is passing his morale test to generate tokens, but he's not getting the rerolls and sundering from the Warrior Sun, so it's really just like vanilla attacks hitting on a 3+. plus. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll dice check you and, and get through you know things that are like a 5-plus defense, 4-plus defense things like that, they'll eventually win that crime that's going to take a long time. So um, maybe it was a, a mistake to leave the Warrior Sons hardened as it was, but I think the jury's still out on that because I've seen a lot of very good Lannister players. Uh, they're not playing Warrior Sons to the point that they played them before. Warrior Sons with the Champion of Faith was, it wasn't an auto-include, but it was a very big staple in their list. Uh, I'm just not seeing that anymore. They, they've gone on to other things which is fine. Warrior Sons are still really good, 
um, the fact that they their pick rate dropped a little bit is, is probably a good sign. So overall, I think the, the hardened change is good. I think it's good. It's just not cool to have something that's that, like you want to smash your head on, onto something. It's just that frustrating trying to get through it. And it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just Elden and Wardens, you know, like uh, Great Axes with Mormont Vet was really, really tough to deal with as well because they have unyielding. Um, similarly, Opal in Shadow Tower Spearman was just very hard to get through. Um, and so it's good. It's good. I'm happy with it. Yep, same. Um, all right. Let's see. Another general ability, uh, Outflank. Uh, mm-hmm. Outflank, I do like the change. Uh I am optimistic, but then again, uh you know, I am a little concerned uh with certain things that have it. Uh the top one that comes to mind is Harakars. Harakars are just amazing for their points for five. Um and they're just so fast and hard hitting, uh similar to chariots. Uh, and now having just outflank built, because before outflank built in was just like it was, you know, it was whatever it was, uh, you know. But that's the thing. A lot of other units that had outflank, so let's say uh, Vanguard, uh, uh, the Ranger Vanguard, you know, they didn't seem like they were worth their points because outflank wasn't that great. Harakars. Um, even if you took outflank off their profile, are still easily worth five points, if you ask me. Um, and uh, it's you know it's one of those abilities that uh, was not very useful before because there's too many good counters to it. Um, there's too many things you know, especially an easy counter of winning the dice off and uh, just choosing to go second so that they couldn't bring it on until round three, um, you know, was sometimes enough. Or even going first and then forcing them to have to bring it on round two because they know if they didn't, they then wouldn't be bringing it on until round four. Um, Or Targaryens just simply having a card that outright negated it and could make sure your unit never saw the table. So now... There is no way that I'm aware of to even stop it. Now, granted, they did add the caveat of it has to be on a a turn where you don't go first. Uh, So that is really good. But again, uh, just going back to the Harakars, I think they're easily worth their five points, even if you just took a flank completely off the unit. Um, Now, with that said, a a, a thing that's going to force a lot of people to do is now run make sure they're running at least one cav unit in every list or one uh, thing that uh, allows them to get a pivot to face what it is that's coming out on outflank, um, I think is, is going to be key for any list uh, going to like a tournament or something. You don't necessarily have to apply that to all your games, even for casual, but I think, uh, you know, you're really going to want to make sure you have a way to counter outflank. And I don't mean like a hard counter, like just completely, you know, make it useless, but like a counter play so that they're not 
charging you in the rear either by the outflank unit or by you having to turn around, face the outflank unit, and then one of their other units then coming up and charging you in the, uh, in the rear. So um, I think it will encourage a little bit different of list building because um, I guarantee you, you go to any event and you will start seeing outflank. Uh, outflank is definitely pretty good, especially um, and this might be something, you know, if you're going to a tournament where they've either outright said that this mission is going to be in or um, uh, or might be a, a, a in the pool uh, of potential missions is Winds of Winter or um, uh, what's the other one? Dark Wings, Dark Words. So there's a mission where if you have less victory points, you can take, uh, you can get a victory point and become first player, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, but you can then, uh, you can bring your unit on, then uh, do that, and now charge as the very first action. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely a thing, because they're, they're simultaneous, right? So revealing, you, you would declare that you have two effects, you can resolve them in the order you choose. So with that secret mission, your your opponent would actually have to play his mission first, at which point you then say, okay, well, I'm going to uh, declare my outflank and and outflank my unit. Then next, my my next declaration to do at the start of the round is I'm going to play this mission and I become first player. It's 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 a niche it's a niche thing. Um, you could do it, you know, like if you know that. Uh, if you know that that mission is going to be played, and it's something that you could do, is it 100% worth bringing out flank for? I mean, maybe not, but I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, you, me, and Craig have all felt like Karakars were amazing anyways. Um, so as a Targaryen player, you should probably be running them anyways. And if you happen to have them in your list because they're good, and then that mission comes up, like, I feel like you're probably really happy. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's a, that's a thing. That's a thing that you can do. Yep. So, yeah, I wouldn't, like, go out of your way to run Outflank just on the off chance that, that might happen. But, I mean, Outflank's good as is um, enough that you would take it on its own, potentially. I know that is definitely a buff to Greyjoy players, you know, having the one-point outflank uh, option that doesn't take up a um, attachment slot with the rear captain. Um, there's a lot of combo potential with that. Because, um, uh, if you're again, if you're running, like, two Bowman unit, the last thing you want to do is turn your unit around just for those Bowmen to shoot you in the butt with rerolls and pass out pillage. Um, and then with Victorian have uh, assault orders to give him a free charge. Um, new Reapers uh, being absolutely amazing. Um, I think they went from, in my opinion, I know people would disagree, a decent six-point unit. Uh, nothing amazing, but decent. Um, They are now absolutely amazing at six points, in my opinion. Um, for those that didn't see the change on them, 
they now have one extra die on second rank, so they're 7-6-4 instead of 7-5-4. And then their base ability um, auto-triggers even without, uh, or I shouldn't say auto-triggers, but before it was you got to choose to heal or deal one extra wound on a panic test um, failure to your uh, either heal your unit one or deal your opponent one more um, for every pillage. Now it's you get to do one of those two things automatically plus one more for every pillage. And you can choose any amount. You could do, let's say, doing three because you have two pillage. You can heal three or deal three, or you can do anywhere in between. I could heal one, deal two. And the best part is you pick after you've seen the dice rolled. Um, because you could then see how much damage they're already taking from the panic test. Uh, so if they roll three, and th that means that you only need to commit one point more to kill the unit, you can com commit the other two points to healing. Combined with a Warsworn, granted then you're not putting Victarian in the unit, you are going to heal an insane amount if, let's say, the general attack kills the unit, you don't even need to dedicate any more from your ability to kill the unit because just the panic itself kills them. You are now going to heal, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, you're going to heal four from Fueled by Slaughter, three from your ability. And, you know That's going to make all these other heal abilities look like they're nothing. And what did you spend on that unit? You spent seven points. If that unit kills something, it's back in the game. You could be at last rank, let's say four wounds. You are now back to 11. Uh, it's insane how good they are now. And I stand by that. I think anyone out there should be, you know, putting my words to the test and trying out that unit, especially if you can... Uh, Let's say you outflank them with Euron attachment. Granted, you won't have the Warsworn at that point, but you outflank them with Euron attachment. Now they have two uh, pillage automatically on them. You're outflanking. Granted, you don't. You have to do it on a turn where they're going. Uh, the enemy, uh, your opponent is going first. Placing the unit from outflank isn't an action, so Euron isn't going to deal them a wound. And then if they don't turn to face you, you have vicious. Uh, and you're going to be deal. You're going to hit them with seven dice with three rolls, um, and they're going to be taking a minus four panic test. With because assuming you're at full health, I mean you take one because of the charge because because you're on attachment, uh, the one point attachment. Uh, you could potentially then deal an extra D three plus three wounds. I mean that's one shot range right there. Um, and you know, dealing even with uh, even with some more beefier units, um, and like I said, you put them in a hard position. If you have, let's say, again, two bowmen, and they can't really afford to turn around. I mean, I mean, it's just going to be amazing. I don't know. I I don't know what else to say uh, to keep piping that up, but I'm excited about it because I play Greyjoys quite a bit, and I've been wanting to run the um, Reaver Captain forever, but every time I think about it, I'm just, it's a feels bad when you pay a point for an ability and 
you, you know, there's just so many counters to it, and then it ends up being a dead unit almost, you know, if they have, like, hard counters. Because it's not just a dead point. It ends up being a dead unit if they never get on the field to uh, to make uh, any real significant uh, difference. What do you think, Brett? I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the outflank change is, it's a big deal. <clears throat> and I don't think it's a, excuse me, sorry. I don't think it's a big deal like, where I'm saying, God, this is so broken, it just changes everything. I think it's a big deal because it does change the landscape. Um, and I think, well, not every faction has access to it. So Lannisters don't, neutrals don't. Uh, I think it's easier to name the ones that don't, right? Um, Martells don't. Starks have it. Greyjoys have it. Night's Watch has it. Free Folk have it. Baratheons have it with Davos. Who am I forgetting? I'm such a bad man. Anyways, <laughs> at least five have it, so that's five out of the nine. So more have it than don't. Um, and then of those, Davos is sort of free because he's the commander. Um, I don't think Tully's commander has it, so that one's not free. So you have to take either Rob NCU, which is the same ability as it was before, but that's changed because of field control, which we'll probably get to next. Um, you can take Tully's two-point attachment and put him in Tully Cap or Flaidman. I don't think he's banned from going in Flaidman, right? He can go in any unit. Uh, no, yeah, the only I believe um, yeah, the only one that has a requirement that attaches is the uh, uh, Reaver Captain, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's in it. I think I think he's I think he um outflank is best for Greyjoys, Free Folk, Night's Watch, and Tarks. Uh Free Folk because we've seen the Jarl before in one point six. He was incredibly annoying in Trappers. Um he's incredibly annoying in Trappers again. Um Trappers are a little bit easier to kill, but it's gonna present the same kind of problems that it did before, except for this time you don't have Starks with Swift Advance to turn around and, you know, sort of one-shot the trappers. Um, you've, you can have Cav on the flanks that are going to give trappers issues. Um, I think the Jarl is, Jarl, Jarl, however you want to say it, is super <laughs> scary in Spearwives. Um, you'd better turn your ass around. <laughs> if he's if he's in Spearwives, you, you can't ignore that. Like, if you give the Spearwives your flank or your rear, you it's probably worse than Harakars or Vanguard or something. Like, that is bad, bad, bad business. Um, because they're still little mini Bastards Girls. They, they're not as effective as Bastards Girls, but they cost fewer points. It's still a four-shot, make you vulnerable when they charge in, seven dice. I mean, it's going to hurt really bad. Um, but I think the Vanguard and the Harakars are the big, big winners because they've just got it built in. And Vanguard got that buff to four plus defense. Um, if you're worried about like the Kevin Crossbow build or something, or really, I mean, any number of builds that you don't want to deal with as a Night's Watch player, you can you can put the Vanguard in a position to where, I mean, with Donald Noy, they can eat a crossbow shot anyway. So as long as you deploy them where there's like not Knights Castle Rock to come charge you, um, you deploy them and then they just go intercept the crossbows. Um, the Lannister crossbows don't have ready aim fires, so there's not a lot 
besides Lannister supremacy to deter you from charging into them. And that, that's going to be a big deal. You charge into them and now you can bring your sworn brothers and your hunters up because the Night's Watch units want no part of crossbows. Like, I, I obviously I'm Night's Watch player that's ranged attacks. I don't want any part of that crap. Um, even if it's just Greyjoy bows, like the entire army of defense for the most part, you just, you don't, you, you can't afford to get shot up on your way across, particularly by the thundering crossbows, knocking you to fives and sixes. Like they're very easily knocking ranks off of you at that point. So the Vanguard are going to be really nice in that setup. Um, so that said, um, I'm happy with Outflank for now. We'll see how the meta evolves. We'll see how people adjust to it. I, I don't think it's like I outflank and I win. Like, well, let's we'll give it a little bit of time. I think it's a good change. It's really cool. Uh, I think we can do field control next, right? Um, I think there's just one more general ability. This one actually should be pretty quick, though. It's um, nightly vow. Uh, oh, yeah. Nightly, nightly Vow uh, only changed in two places, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you got Barristan Selmy, a commander, and then you got uh, Brienne, uh, neutral attachment. Um, I knew you were uh, going to. I knew you would forget about my boy, Dennis Malister. He doesn't have it. Malister has Nightly Vow, the commander. I know. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, now you're yeah, just, just I, taking I, more taking more stuff away, huh? <laughs> um, so I like it a lot. Um, I think it really brings it to where it needs to be. I mean, it may it, it may need the uh, time will tell, but maybe it, it will need a smaller buff, but I I like the more the incremental changes. I don't like anything like too drastic. Um, so I'm more happy with incremental changes and then if in six months or however long they decide it needs another buff or whatever, then I'd prefer that. But at face value, because I haven't actually used it myself, I I like where it's at right now. Yeah, it, it's an interesting change. Um, I think the biggest test for this ability, like, did we do enough for it? Is it is it good? Um, is it great? Where is it at? Uh, just gauge uh, the use of Brienne. Brienne's two-point attachment and neutrals. Um, Stalwart is already an ability that's super attractive. And so I think for a lot of times I was giving her consideration simply for Stalwart. Um, Not to say that Nightly Vow is terrible because rerolling charge distance is great. Um, But now with the plus one to hit when you control swords, um, you can do some interesting combos with that. Um, You know, even just a six-point unit of Mercs with Brienne, I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's a bad shout at all. They're four plus, five plus on the defense, which is, it's actually, that's elite defense. Um, and then they potentially are getting three plus to hit. Uh, if you pair her with Peter Baelish and swords with Peter's ability, you've got the potential to attack off of the bags, even if they claim the swords, uh, you know, seven, five, four on a three plus, it's not the most impressive profile, but paired with, you know, coming from a six-point unit and then paired with um, three-plus to hit, you know, or, excuse me, paired with uh, that defensive profile, it's not terrible. Not terrible. It might see play. It'd be interesting. I like Brienne. I think her I think her neutral hero, Heroes 2 sculpt is one of the best in the game. 
So it would be very cool to see her get onto the field. Yep. Um, all right. Then, I, yeah, I think we can uh, – uh, did you want to talk about all the different um, uh, – No. I, we probably don't have time, and I, I kind of need to get back to work. I think we can – I think we can – what, there was what? Uh, there's too many um, – which had which to is like six total. All the different war many. cries on the tactics cards. Yeah, which doesn't count because we already talked about war cries. So there was there's too many. Yep. Um, Endless horde, both of which absolutely had to change. Um, it's actually bonkers because free folk received the chariot. There's too many. Endless horde and mance, all as quote unquote nerfs. Um, <laughs> there's still like there's still like probably the most powerful faction. It just kind of goes to show what the state of free folk was prior to this, but I'm not, I'm not going to sit and dunk on free folk and do that, but they received the most uh, quote unquote nerfs of any faction. And they're definitely still winning like 60% of their game. So um, (laughs) that said, uh, we can just talk about field control. Um, I don't think there's much surprise by way of the changes to the free folk stuff. So, Overall, I'm happy with the change. It was, for me, the number one most hated card uh, that might have have partially to do with the fact that um, even though I knew like the Free Folk cards were a problem, there are no Free Folk players other than myself, uh, and only occasionally uh, do I play them um, in my area. So uh, I wasn't you know, as, uh, you know, worried about the free folk stuff as most people would be. So that's why, for me, that card, uh, the field control was, like, the number one most annoying card. Um, And so I was happy to see it change. Uh, What they changed it to, uh, it seems a little, I don't know, I I like it. Uh, It seems a little weak at face value, but it's going to be one of those cards that, uh, that really pays off the more you use it and the more creative you get with it. Uh, you know, I I um I have a list of cards that I, I really just dislike, um slash dislike. <laughs> um field control was on that list. Um I think probably my single most hated was There's Too Many. And that's because as a horde faction, I felt like Free Folk had absolutely no business ever being the one faction that could one shot with one attack. Um, Ranger hunters, you know, they could do it against low defense with, with the double, double attack. Uh, Free folk could just one shot you straight up with one attack and not just one shot, but like one shot, anything. Uh, The frozen short chariot could one shot champions of the stag. And I, I felt it was completely obscene. So I'm really happy to see that change. Field control was up there though, and and that a lot of that stems from what I just explained to you. In season one, I I, I or in season one in the 2021 update in general, I, I began to find the maneuver zone as one of the most important, maybe the most important, depending on the match. It is the most important zone, and if you're trying to chase down Targaryens, uh, particularly when they had Relentless and you know Drogo in Flayed Men or Blood Riders going around just wrecking stuff. Uh, it was super important, and it was very frustrating to play that match 
and if they had a card in hand, you just felt like you couldn't take the maneuver zone. Um, you know, do they have field control or do they not have it? Either way, I'm afraid to take the maneuver. And for me, it never failed when the game was on the line and I absolutely had to take the maneuver zone to go catch something and, and win the game. They had field control and I couldn't get my unit involved. And it was very frustrating. I absolutely just, and, and on top of that, you know, the weakened token to boot, weakened tokens are immensely powerful in, you know, since this update, they're incredibly good. They were always good. They're even better now. Um, and it was just super frustrating. It was, it was, yeah, it was just really, it was really tough to swallow. Um, you know, you absolutely. And, and then on top of that, I tinkered with Greyjoys a little bit and, you know, there would be situations where, you know, the priority of the tax board mandated that maybe I took the swords here or I took the wealth here and then I took this zone and then what I was left with was, was the horse and I would play We Do Not Sow, which I know conventional wisdom is do not play We Do Not Sow, do not use Illyrio, do not use Windermere or any of these effects on the maneuver zone, but sometimes, you know, the, the, the tempo and flow of the game mandated that and I... Yeah, I got really screwed one game because I lost a we do not so on the maneuver zone and it really it really cost me because I would have killed the Dothraki veterans, I think. I was in their flank and instead they came over and killed my bows and I was not impressed. So um <laughs> it's just it's just good to have that not a thing. I mean all of the zone replacements. You know, you are, you will counterplot exist and counterplot's negative play experience as well. And if field control's negative play, counterplot should be negative play as well. Or any number of other things that cancel, like sell me as negative play. And But it's just like, man, field control, it just couldn't fail. Like, unless it got counterplotted, it just went off. And it, if you played, and I'm not sticking up for the old free folk by any means, but like, that was their worst nightmare. Like, oh, I'm going to play in this board. I hope they don't have field control. And they do. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. No no pity for them. But it was it's, it was just a field bad. Field control field control was just a field bad. I hated it. I hated it. Well, and the, the counterplot uh, uh, comparison isn't even, like, uh, accurate enough. That'd be like if counterplot said, I you don't have to roll. And I get uh, you have to choose one of your units to be weakened. <laughs> yeah. um, like if Counterplot just straight up said, when your opponent plays a card, cancel that card. Your opponent picks a unit to become weak uh, of their units to become weakened. Yeah, that'd be field control. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Just, it just wasn't. It was only Counterplot, right? If they played like a zone replacement card, it was more or less like similar to the old Varus, like just. Essentially, it was it was like I have to turn this unit around to be able to get this unit involved in the game, and if I don't, maybe I can't kill this unit or I can't contest. Or if I don't do this, bad things are going to happen. And field control said, no, you you can't turn around, you can't move into charge range, you can't do any of the things that you wanted to do with the zone. And yeah, I mean, they gave it they gave it twenty twenty one. And then they gave it all of season one before they decided to go after it. So um, I think that they gave it plenty of time. I think, and it was just a universally complained about card from the launch of the game. And there are those that theorize that, well, they, they just changed field control because it never worked anyway. And that's just their way of 
not admitting it. Like, that, no, that's not why they changed it. They changed it because it was a crappy experience <laughs> for people. It's, it has nothing to do with, quote, unquote, it didn't work. And, and I always hated that argument. But anyways, uh, neither here nor there. Um, I'm glad it got yep. changed. So if you were hesitant to run Robin CU because of field control, you know, you can feel brave and run Robin CU now because only like intrigue and Olena stop him at this point. Which they stop yep. all of MCUs anyway, so Um, all right. I think uh I think we can wrap it up there and uh if we can maybe pick up like a part two um another night because I think we talked about roughly half of everything for the most part. Uh most of the other changes are just um uh let's see mostly just points changes here or there um that we didn't talk about and I think yeah we, we could probably easily talk about the rest of it in another episode. Um, I mean I think I right, think if so, you want if you want instead of focusing on that we can get a little bit more focused on like the Adepticon prep. Uh if we want to take some some nasty combos or some something like that and kind of just do a prep similar to what I was doing. I simply, I, I was getting good feedback from the journey to Adepticon. I just, unfortunately, given that Adepticon is in two weeks, I, uh, you know, with my work, work schedule and everything, there's never a guarantee that I will be able to sit down and commit that time because then I've got to render it in audacity since it's a pre-recorded thing. And, um, I just don't have the time and the resources dump into it because I still have painting to do for Adepticon and, and things like this. So I've got to start putting my resources into getting ready. So unfortunately I don't have the time to do eight or nine specific episodes. And plus the other thing yep. is I genuinely, genuinely in all reality, I don't know what the meta is going to look like. I genuinely don't know what's the best. I have guesses. I'm sure you'll see Varamir, 11 activations. You'll definitely see Magnemite, nine activation monster list. You're going to see John, Ranger Danger. Uh, you'll probably see Mother of Dragons or possibly Drogo with Dragons. Maybe Marceline with Masande and Dragons to get the activations up. Um, Greyjoys, I don't think change too much. You'll probably you'll probably won't see Asha Commander um, because unless they go with an elite, like Asha in Trappers and then Silence Men, um, you know, Hedge Knights with... Uh, Glory Seeker, which is a great add to an army. Now, um, Mikel actually ran it and placed fourth, I think, in a 64-person GT with Greyjoys. Really freaking awesome. But I think he ran Balon. Um, you'll probably see Great John Umber um, and maybe Howland Reed, maybe Eddard Stark. I guess I'm doing this anyway. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin double crossbows. <laughs> Roos led Lannisters to counter the the fact that Night's Watch probably have Corrin. Um, Baratheons, I'm sure you'll see double Melisandre. Um, I feel like that's a thing since they can't just run the brick wall push-up and win kind of style. You'll probably see them reaching more into the Raylor tech, which was always good anyway. Um, let's see. Martells, nothing changed for them. Whatever you were seeing from Martells before is what you'll see now. Who am I missing? Except for now, pe now people are considering Nymeria. That might change. <laughs> they should. They should be considering Nymeria. Absolutely, Nymeria with Ober and NCU is 
is a nasty thing. Like even even Night Watch Ranger hunt, Ranger hunters don't want to go near that. Yep. So cool. Um, All right. Uh, let's see. I, I don't think uh, I think other than that, maybe just Relentless. Um, uh, even if let's say I'm completely wrong about Relentless, I still believe mm-hmm. that others will run it. Um, yeah, because if you're not prepared. Because if you're not prepared for it, and I guarantee you a good chunk of the field won't be, um, oh, I yeah. think because not a lot of people have gotten to test against Relentless. No, you know, no, no. The only yeah, people I, have I, only... Go ahead. I agree with you. I agree with you. If you're not prepared for it, you're you're gonna get you're gonna get slapped. It's one of those things. Like like I said at the beginning of the at the beginning of the episode, you know, if you're not ready for that and you don't know. You don't understand the implications of what it does, and you're you're learning on the fly. That's going to be a rough match. You're not going to leave that match very happy. At at a tournament, yep. like it's fine in a casual, like okay, show me this relentless, and then you work out how to deal with it. You show up to a tournament, and that's your first time really dealing with it, and you go charge unsullied pikemen, and you know you don't put together in your head a uh, set for charge plus a relentless attack. And you, you're like, well, what does Relentless do? Oh, it's a retribution attack. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to charge that unit. And now you get attacked twice. You're going to be very upset. So. Yeah, in a lot of cases, because uh, my nephew runs uh, still seven activations with two Relentless units, um, a lot of cases, uh, like I mentioned before, it's a reactive, it's a retribution attack. It's a reactive attack especially if it's uh, Shadow Tire Spearmen, you charge in, they attack you first. You then attack them. They then attack you reactively again. It's now their turn. If they haven't activated, especially if the sword's available, they take the sword, attack you again. They're still not activated. If you then mm-hmm. somehow can attack them again, they'll attack you again. And they're still not activated. So, And I say this to anyone listening, to build at least one list with moderate counters to Relentless because um, it's, it's going to be like to – you you kind of have to build some counters to it. You don't have to build a completely tailored list for it, but you need some counters or it will walk all over you. Um, but I do believe that you know it is early, and I do trust Brett uh, and his advice – that there are counters to it enough that uh, that it won't be a problem on the grand scheme. I'm more so worried about it being a problem to anyone that's deciding to run that ability casually. Uh, and I guess maybe it stems from me being kind of someone that walks the fine line between casual and competitive. Uh, I turn Ooh. I turn my cat. Filthy casual <laughs> the, day, huh? Yeah, I turn that, I switch on and off between those two modes all the time. You know, it, for me, it's as easy as a switch. You know, I go to these big events and I, I bring everything I got. I go full tilt into the competitive scene. But then as soon as I go back to my locals, I switch off. And that's, you know, that kind of lends to the fact that I play every faction. You know, anyone in, fr- in my play group can tell you, you know, I basically bring in a different faction every week. Um, the tournaments, I don't even know what I'm going to play until I've found out uh, 
what everyone else is bringing. And I don't mean by lists. I mean, hey, everyone, what's, what factions are you bringing? And then I literally pick my faction off of whatever factions aren't going. So if literally every faction is going to be represented but one, my choice is already made for me. I pick that one faction. Um, I always just, uh, you know, one, because I absolutely hate mirror matches. Uh, even even if it's just the same faction and our lists are completely different, it's I just hate mirror matches um, with passion. Um, but also, I just like diversity in lists, especially if I'm going to post them on Facebook. I can say, hey, look, what our tournament, 10 people, and we had eight of the 10, all eight uh, factions represented with only two duplicates. You know, I like being able to kind of brag about that. So again, that's, I I really try to make sure that, um, like what you were saying, Brett, at the beginning, you know, not being prepared for uh, a combo or an interaction and have it be a feel, feels bad. The fact that I play as and against every faction, with the exception of I never get against free folk just because no one other than myself owns them. Um, but I play against every other faction, and I play as every faction. I know the ins and outs of basically every faction. I'm no, I'm not an, a complete expert on every single faction, like I'm unbeatable or something with every faction, but I like to think that no one's going to pull one over on me, ever, in any case, with any faction, against any faction. Um, and that's, again, why I, I'm with uh, Adepticon, I'm making it a point to bring a different faction for every uh, tournament to kind of, you know, my goal is to show that I can maybe not win first place of every tournament, uh, of every one of those tournaments, but still at least, um, you know, show that I can place very well with multiple different factions um, in multiple different uh, um uh, mis- or game modes, I guess you can call them, like different um, tournaments. It's like you have who's the boss uh, on Thursday, uh, Friday is the team event, uh, sun- or Saturday is the main event, the championship, and Sunday is a like more of a casual type event. Um, so, I don't know. I guess with the, that rant kind of over, um, everyone who is... Uh, thinking about going to Adepticon, definitely uh, get your ticket. Uh, I definitely think it's worthwhile to go. Um, There's still plenty of tickets, but there are a lot sold. Uh, So it is going to be an awesome event, an awesome time. Um, If you can swing it, I'd say go to all the the tournaments, or at least as many as you can uh, or can justify. Because uh, I think all of them are going to be absolutely fun. Uh, they're all going to be run by Marty. Marty has run so many events. He's an amazing guy. He always does an awesome job. Uh, he always makes everyone feel welcome. He always runs it very fairly. And he's a super generous guy. Um, so definitely check out Adepticon if you're available. Uh, I think you guys uh, will have a blast. Um, Brett, do you have any, like, uh, last, uh, we have, like, four minutes left. Anything you wanted to say? Uh, no, just kind of, you know, piggybacking off of what you said. You you definitely, um, if you've never been to Adepticon, it's definitely something that's, that's worth checking out. You'll, you'll want to go. Um, it's really fun. 
Marty's a great guy. Um, generally, it's I mean, there's there's competitive overtones, but it's it's pretty it's pretty casual. Um, Mark Rupp is normally there. He's uh, from Minnesota. He's the neutrals guy that everybody loves, um, and it's hard not to. Mark's <laughs> a great guy. Um, you know, and this year there's going to be a lot of people. I think we've got forty ish signed up, which is great. The Sunday Slaughter guys are I think coming it's like in 43. full force. Yeah, awesome. Sunday guy, Sunday Slaughter in full force. Yumi. I don't know if Cyrus is going. Is Cyrus going? Yumi and Craig will be there. Yep. Uh, Cyrus, last I heard, I think he said he was working it out to make it a possibility. So he's trying to. The last I heard. Well, so I mean, it, it, Bob, um, Stefan, Bob, Stefan, Chris, another guy from their club, Tim. Uh, myself, John Cash, Hurley, and Gary are all coming from Indy. Um, I don't know if you're bringing gotta, yeah, Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. There's, It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, it's always a really good time. It's great to hang out. It's a nice, big gaming convention. Um, and it's great. It's great every year. I love Adepticon. Like, I... The only year I ever missed was the very first year the game was introduced, and it was because I wasn't playing yet. Um, and other than that, you know, I tried to make the Adepticon in 2020, but it was canceled because of COVID. So we did the we did Adepticon in Indy, and I think we had to do Adepticon in Indy in 2021 as well. And then yep. 2022 was the first time I stepped foot in the actual. Adepticon Center, and 2020 and 2021 were Adepticon at a store. The Adepticon event was moved to a store. So, anyways, that said, it's awesome. It's great. Uh, there's lots of great food around. There's lots of cool, nice locals around. There's plenty of hotels close to the venue. Marty is awesome. His wife like bakes cookies for everybody that comes. They make sure everybody's hydrated. Uh, Marty is genuinely like no. BS, no holds barred. Marty is the nicest person I have ever met in my entire life. And it's Agreed. Uh, he's, it he, he's an amazing guy if you've never met him. Um, so definitely check it out if you can. It would be awesome to have everyone there. Uh, it would be really awesome to make this, uh, you know, one of, uh, if not the biggest event. I forget how many LVO had, but uh, I think we're we still have three weeks, or no, two weeks, so we're on track to get a pretty good turnout. But with that said, guys, it is getting late. Um, I thank you all for listening in. Um, you know, really appreciate everyone that listens to our show. Uh, we do it for you guys, and I'm excited to kind of be back in the swing of things to um, start doing more shows for you guys. Uh, until next time, everyone, stay safe and play some games. still here.